Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Holy Spirit has gathered us here this morning to celebrate the Feast of Pentecost. One of the great themes of this feast is the unity of the church that God himself gathers us. This is throughout the hymnody from last night and this morning that the Holy Spirit calls us together into unity. In the book of Acts, we read about their gathering of the apostles and the disciples on the day of Pentecost, that they were all in one accord and in one place. One of the great themes of this feast that underlies this idea of unity is the Old Testament story of the building up of the Tower of Babel. Now, kids, what, why, what is the Tower of Babel? Can anybody tell me what the Tower of Babel is? Is it like a Jenga tower? That's probably too... Say that again, John. A tower they tried to build up to heaven. Is that what you're going to say, Samuel? Yeah. So the Tower of Babel was the people of the earth. They didn't have a bunch of different languages. They had one language. And they all had a memory of Eden. Remember the Garden of Eden where Adam and Eve were? And so they thought, we've got to return to the Garden. So we're going to build up. Because we think, I think a lot of us, the idea of Tower of Babel is that they were going to like storm heaven, right? It's kind of like that. They were going to build up a big temple garden. Have you ever, all right, here's a big word, ziggurat. You all know what a ziggurat is? These big pyramid or like with a flat top that had uh, one of the great ancient wonders of the world, right? The, the gardens of Babylon is basically like this temple with a garden on top of it, right? This is what they were building because they wanted to restore Eden, right? They wanted to get back to heaven by building up their own temple, their own tower. Now, what does God think of that? No. God says, we're going to divide them. We're going to have them suddenly start speaking to each other in different languages. So, of course, when we come to the Feast of Pentecost, we see the reversal of the Tower of Babel, where God now gifts unity. The flame of fire on each head. Now they're speaking in the languages of all the people that are gathered. Babel has been uh, upended. Or rather, basically, God has returned and given paradise back the way that he wants it to be. You know, we live in a world that still attempts to build towers of Babel. You know, and remember the early 90s when the internet was going to usher in a new age of unity and all sorts of everything was going to be great because we can now talk to each other all the time? Does anybody remember that? Some of you don't remember that. 
I don't, I honestly just remember getting on the internet. I don't really remember all of the uh, prophecies of how everyone's going to be unified, world peace was going to be ushered in, uh, we're just going to have free dialogue between everyone, and everything's going to be great. How's that going? Are we unified more than ever before? Are we doing really awesome with the internet now? So, that's one thing, right? That's how about uh, the promise of fascism, of communism, of liberal democracy, uh, just all sorts of promises. They all promise us that if we just do this social political project, we're going to have unity. We're going to go back to the beginning when there's peace. Well, maybe not back to the beginning, but in the future. So we go either nostalgia for the past or in the future, we're going to have everything that we ever wanted. How did that go? Or how is that going? What's the body count? (laughs) Millions and millions. The Tower of Babel is something that is continually uh, put before us as a temptation. Let's see how we can bypass God and figure out a way to provide paradise for ourselves. That we can have unity over a political ideology, over some economic scheme of something besides God. Is this not what the promise of transhumanism is? We're all going to upload ourselves into the mainframe and then we won't have bodies and then we can all just kind of... I mean, uh, Deacon and I were talking about this a little bit before the service. Did nobody watch the movies from the 80s or the 90s? <laughs> Skynet, Wally, even, right? Like, this is not the future that we want. This is not going to give us unity. This is not going to make us happy or make us feel good. There's a reason, if you look at the Tower of Babel and you just read that story, you're like, Man, God seems kind of like a jerk. Why in the world would he not let them build their little paradise? What's the problem? You can't have paradise without God. You can't have reality without reality. The reality of God has to be the foundation for the unity. The apostles coming together in one place, in one accord, was a unity that was given to them by Christ. And it can be even a little bit more specific. It can't just be a unity without God. It can't be the unity without God who is crucified. Because what happens in all of these schemes is the loss of persons. Right? We all become numbers. We all become uh, little gadgets in or gears in the system. But what we have in Pentecost is the appearance of tongues that sit upon each person. There is a unity that is found in God. And then there is a true diversity that is found in the church of each person made in the image of God who has the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit, as like image from the fathers, is chiseling away at our individuality. If, if you'll go with me a second, this doesn't exactly work out, but there's individuals, right? And then there's persons. We don't always use like this, but just go with me for a second. Individuals is what we're promised, right? The machine wants to give us 
individuality. You can pursue whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. And everything's going to be okay because you are able to do whatever you want. The church says, no. (laughs) There is a unity that is offered in Christ that actually makes you into a person. Because the path to personhood, to actually being a full human being that can actually provide the peace, the prosperity, the things that are necessary, is one who is being shaped by the Holy Spirit. One who's conforming themselves to the image of Christ. One who is dying to themselves day by day. Yes, it's a paradox. We're supposed to die to live. But this is what the Holy Spirit does for us in allowing us to not lose our personalities. This is one of the challenges of Christianity one of the things that Nietzsche said, right? Like everybody's kind of going around like, I'm doing the right things. This is really great. I'm a Christian. That's not the life of the Spirit. That's not the life that you see in the saints of the church as we're going to be celebrating the next few Sundays, looking at the lives of the saints and what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit brings life and light. It convicts sin. It is, brings a chisel to that hard rock in order to form us but that's how you become truly human just ask a parent with a kid or a spouse or a close friend how do you actually become a a real parent a real spouse a real friend it's the chisel of the diversity of the person that they're with right The the difference because let's just be honest Human unity, if you think it's just going to come because we all get free Amazon Prime accounts and like upload ourselves into it, it's not going to happen. Or look at Facebook. Look at Twitter. <laughs> that doesn't mean that we're going to have the unity that we desire or to be known for who we actually are. The Spirit takes us from being individuals and it forms us into persons in community. This aspect of unity also means that there is community. That there are those that we have a close relationship, say, in our families, and those that are in the family of God. And it's not always a bed of roses. There is struggle. But that struggle is the path. I'm not saying, therefore, we should all like, really rub each other raw with like, you know, friction. What I'm saying is love is... And forgiveness are there because of that. That's the only way that we learn that. We have at the matins last night at vigil that we had for this feast, the reading of the gospel that is the same gospel reading from Thomas Sunday. We are given unity by the Spirit in Christ. We are not lost in that unity of just conformity but there is a diversity that is true to the church there's also a mission that christ gives to us for this unity this diversity these are all gifts from god it's not something that we do ourselves we can't just force unity just like you can't force diversity it has to be won by god and then gifted to us The mission, as Jesus has Thomas with his fingers in his side, is that you are sent as Christ is sent into the world. To hear all at Pentecost, you were there to hear all of these voices. 
in different languages and to hear the, you know, kind of the audible gasp of what is going on here. And then to hear all of this proclamation of the wonderful works of God. That is what the crowd assembled hears. It's not just, hi, my name is Daniel in Serbian or something like that. It is all of these languages, all these persons testifying to the works of God, the gifts of God. What are these wonderful works of God? Pentecost is an ever-existing event for us. It's not just something in the past, but it's something now. This is where, in our unity gathered together, that we ourselves speak to each other of the wonderful works of God. What is God doing at St. Anne's? How in the world did we bring 27 people in on Lazarus Saturday? It's not because of St. Anne's. It's because of God. Right? Because if you start thinking, oh, like me, oh, it's me, it's Father Daniel. No, it's not. <laughs> oh, it's because of X, Y, and Z. It's, yeah, God working. What is going on or what is God doing in each other's lives? The way that we know what God is doing in each other's lives is because we are testifying to what God is doing in our life, which requires us to be attending to our souls, right? What is God doing in your life? It's very easy for us to get lost in thinking about all the other things, about what I am doing what is happening outside of me, what's going on in the world, what's going on in the church, or what's going on in that other church, or whatever, as opposed to what is God doing, and attending to that, and then speaking, testifying, singing out about the wonderful works of God. Because God is doing things in your life. God is doing things all around you. God does all sorts of miracles and all sorts of convicting of sin, bringing about life through killing certain things here at St. Anne's. The challenge for us, of course, is being able to hear, to attend, to be able to be open to, to seeing God active, living, breathing now. Not just back then, but now. And not just for somebody over there or somebody else who came from you know, nothingness and now is starting to become a Christian, but what's happening in your life, with your family, with your kids, what you need to be praying about. This is one of the themes throughout Acts 1 and 2. How is the unity that they have together that is won by Christ and given to them by the Holy Spirit? They're together in one accord in prayer and supplication. We're given the rest of these few weeks to contemplate God's work in the lives of his saints, of all of the saints of God, of all the saints who here in North America shone forth. This is the life of God that you have access to because the Holy Spirit is not an idea outside of yourself. The Holy Spirit, God himself, dwells and lives within you. His love is poured out within your heart. These aren't metaphors. When you were baptized and sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit, God took up residence within you and is changing your body little bit by little bit. This is what the wonderful works of God are. 
let us attend to it that we know the gift of the unity that we have in Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit, that we can see each other and the differences that are there, rejoicing in them, suffering them with love, patience, and giving glory to God because of it, and that we therefore can sing, testify, that we can let others know what the wonderful works of God so that they can join us in the mission that God has for us, for you, and for St. Anne's here in East Tennessee. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.